Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter, Thundercast underscore pod. Head over to Facebook, give the page over there a like. Please uh, go to the YouTube channel and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know, we're really trying to grow that subscri- subscriber base over there. Uh, and um, we've kind of stagnated a little bit. I know a lot of folks are watching the episodes because those numbers keep going up. But we really want to encourage you to just go ahead and subscribe to the channel because there's other stuff in addition to the Thundercast episodes that are going to be exclusively and already are exclusively on the YouTube channel. So you don't want to miss those either. And you know what? I haven't done this before, Russ, but I should be saying this, right? Um, feel free to leave comments on our videos of the episodes that we do because we'll interact with you over there as well. So I know that's um, that's something folks generally like to do, especially in real time when they're listening. And, you know, Twitter usually doesn't lend itself to that. When you're listening and listening on an audio platform, there's really no avenue to do that. But while you're watching a video podcast or even listening, you know, using the video podcast as an audio form and something pops into your head, you can leave a comment right then and there on the video. So you should do that if, if you feel so inclined. I love uh, checking those comments and, and interacting with people. So please feel free to interact over there as well. Um, it's a pretty, I don't know, not too busy week. You know, we got the big news of uh, Morgan Zirkle being named a head softball coach last episode. This is the First episode in season three of the Thundercast, the breakdown series is going to continue. And of course, we've got five things that every herd fan needs to know. And those are going to be a little concentrated this week because it's important news. So uh, let's not waste any more time and let's get into it. Um, let's get ourselves a quick word from our sponsors, 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, we're getting to that point of the year where a lot of the same questions are starting to get asked, right? And a lot of them revolve around many of the things we're going to talk about. So Mm -hmm. let's kick it off, man. Give me five things that every Herd fan needs to know. All right. Five things every Herd fan needs to know, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, swimming and diving. Second semester in a row, they lead all of Division One and team GPA at 3.87. Again, that's the second semester of leading Division One, and that makes them a CSCAA Scholar All-America team. That's so cool, right? It I mean, is. All of Division One A. It's cool when you're just like hitting this huge GPA mark, and it's really yeah. cool when you lead the conference in something. But you're talking about all of Division One A, and I know a lot of folks – uh, seem to have this mindset like, well, that's only a handful of teams because they think in terms of football. Well, once you get away from the realm of football 
and you talk about Division One, it's more like 320-some schools, right? And you're talking about other schools that are really known for their academics. <laughs> so think of some of those, I'm going to call them blue blood academic schools that you know are going to have a swimming and diving team. And mostly I think of teams like out West in the PAC 12 that, you know, churn, that really hang their hat on those Olympic sports, places like UCLA and Stanford and things like really, really high academic levels. And to know that Marshall Huntington, West Virginia outpaced everybody as far as GPA goes for swimming and diving. Russ, I'm going to let you steal my word. What are we going to call that? You know, you use so many different descriptions. Uh, let me pull one from my head. Differentiator. Uh, That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it is a differentiator. We joke about that, but it 100% is a differentiator when you're talking about where would I like my child to go? Where would I, as a uh, someone that, cares about uh my academic career where would i like to go marshall's going to pop out if you're on a swim and dive team you know you're going to say hey they obviously care you know so um we we love to throw out kudos to our athletes and this deserves it more than anything that i can think of i would have to agree man that that's just awesome like the, mm -hmm. the being number one in anything is cool mm-hmm and when you're number one just outside of the conference and you're talking about in the entire division of NCA sport, it's, it's a whole nother level of cool. 200 even women's swim and dive teams in uh, division one, by the way. So there you go. Out of 300 and some odd 320-ish, 330-ish division one schools, 200 programs. So you're yeah. top, <laughs> top one. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty great. That's pretty yeah. great. And you're you're looking at uh, I think there's 143 I read men's uh, swim and dive teams. Uh, obviously, some schools have both, but 200. Uh, I think that that might be one of the I mean easily top five, but that may be one of the top three uh, of percentage of Division One schools that is represented by a certain sport. Uh, women swim and dive. So that might be the most competitive based on numbers alone. Yeah. So very, 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 very good thing that they've done. That's super cool. Now let's get into what a lot of people have been asking. And, and I don't know, I don't know how it, this seems to be on the same type of schedule every year, but still every mm -hmm. year people are wanting to know these things and ask sure. about this specifically. So let's go over these next four things so that everybody is not mistaken and we can maximize what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And this, the two through five will all be about the uh, football ticket release schedule. And we'll talk about them individually. Uh, number two, away game tickets go on sale July the 5th. We're recording on July the 4th. This will probably be posted July the 5th, I imagine. And uh, it might go out tonight. Who knows? But, yeah. uh, uh, you'll maybe listen to it on the fifth. Then if you are a big green member and season ticket holder, you'll probably get first dibs on these for priority points, that sort of thing, but they will be on sale probably as you listen to this. Yeah. I'm going to try depending on when we get finished and how the rest of the afternoon goes before work, um, <clears throat> to get this edited and at least started to upload. So there is a possibility that this may actually go up this evening or, or late afternoon, Yes, 
July 5th for season ticket holders, big green members. You're probably going to get first dibs on away game tickets. And we know there are a lot of hot away game tickets that people have circled on their calendars, both out of conference and in conference, right? People want to go to um, NC State. They want to go to Appalachian State. That's a big in-conference game this year. And I'm sure there's a few people that even are, you know, chomping at the bit to get down to Conway and uh, watch Coastal because, you know, you can just coordinate that with the, the normal West Virginia trip down to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. But uh, if you're a big green member, if you're a season ticket holder, you know, be ready because I don't, I don't think a lot of these will sell out. App State might because they've sold out their allotment of season tickets. Yeah. So as far as limited number of tickets, that's probably the one that's the most limited. But uh, you should probably still be in decent shape if you act early. It's uh, it's also going to be tough to get the NC State tickets, and it's going to be tough to get uh, the uh, Coastal tickets. And uh, you do have to be a big green member uh, if they don't sell all to the big green member. They might open it up, but you'll want to act quick, and you'll want to be a big green member. If you're not a big green member, you can call over there and say, I would like to purchase tickets. Oh, I see you're not a big green member. Hey, take five bucks a month out of my uh, uh, direct, uh, you know, du- just direct, uh, take it out of there, um, out of my bank account. Yeah. And sign me I'm, the hell up. I'm going to be a big green member. Yeah. Uh, I've got the away game slate here with the ticket prices. We have uh, East Carolina, $55. NC State, $40. Georgia State, $25. Coastal Carolina, $45. Appalachian State, $65. Again, that is in high demand. They have sold out two years in a row because of the way they structured their ticket sales for that UNC game last year. And South Alabama, $25. Yeah. See, that tells you right there. Those those Carolina games are... Um, Going to be sought after. And and I know you might think, look, why would Coastal, for example, why would Coastal sell out? Because it's not a huge stadium. It's not. It's a very, it's like 17,000 is the max or something like that. So you can see how it begins to fill up really quickly, especially when you think about, hey, this is Marshall's first trip to Conway for a uh, Sunbelt Conference game. Mm -hmm. So they're going to probably want to show out. Their fans are probably going to want to show out and, and East Carolina is always a well-attended game when Marshall's on the slate. I mean, North Carolina State is uh, – there's a there's a big alumni base around the Raleigh-Durham, uh, Greensboro area anyway. So there's a lot of people to draw from there. And, of course, we know what App State is. They're Like mm-hmm. you said, they're full, and that's going to be a hot ticket. I About every other fan that I've talked to in the, in the just course of general conversation, when you say, man, is there a one-away game that you really would like to go to? It's like, I want to go to App State this time. I want to go back because it's, you know, they came here for the last couple of games and now it's in conference and, and you're thinking, okay, we get to renew that rivalry for a lot of older uh, Southern conference era fans. And they want to go back to the rock and they want to see that. So you better act early because those may not be there, you know, at the start of next week. Yeah. And let's talk real quick. I know you're on the same page as me. Why should I get these through herd zone or calling 1-800 the herd? It's because that money goes back to our athletic department. It also for uh, other games, we can show how many we sold through our athletic department. That helps right. us with uh, uh, ticket allotments for future games, that sort of thing. We want to buy them through Herd Zone. 
don't go on uh, StubHub or um, anything like that and do not try to go through, um, don't go to NC State's uh, website for tickets, for instance. Uh, all you're doing is helping the competitor there. Okay, what if they have it there and it saves you $5? Do you really feel that good about helping out NC State versus helping out your team? No. So always buy through the ticket office. 100% of the time, ticket office. That goes for bowl games. That goes for away games. Anything, buy through the ticket office. Yeah, we still only- have people buying home games True. through through StubHub and things like that because I feel like they think that it is a better deal. They just haven't checked it. And we're going to talk about some things here in a minute on why you should buy your tickets through there and how cheap you could get them. Well, look, I would recommend the only time using a third party or the away school athletic department is if Marshall's ticket allotment is sold out. Yeah. But maybe at that point they can say, hey, we sold out of our allotment. Can you send us another thousand tickets? And and you, you don't know. know. They, they might be able to do that because they may look at it and go, you know what? Our own home fans aren't stepping up. And the away fans are are wanting to step up. So, yeah, we'll send you another 1,000 tickets. Always, your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth stop for tickets should always be herdzone.com or 1-800-THE-HERD. There's no need to pay StubHub fees. I mean, like, if you're going to pay, you're going to pay a processing fee if you buy online, but it's going to be like two bucks or three bucks yeah. at HerdZone. It's not going to be, like, the cost of a ticket like it is on Ticketmaster. So. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Everybody still asks, where can I get tickets? Where can I get tickets? And this is not shade being thrown. When's the last time we sold out a home game? It's been a while, right? So there's always tickets available at HerdZone. There's no need to go Facebook Marketplace or Ticketmaster or any of those other outlets. HerdZone is the only place you need to go, right? Period. And I can tell you too, from experience, this is very recent. This was during basketball season when we were selling out the, uh, the cam and tickets were at a premium. You couldn't find them or whatever. I personally called the ticket office and said, hey, my schedule changed. I know it's uh, it's saying sold out, but do you have any available? We have situations where we can call season ticket holders and say, hey, uh, you know, are you going to be using yours? Season ticket holders can say, I'm not going to be able to be there for my game. Gift them back to the athletic department. The athletic department can then sell them and open those seats up. So you never know, even if it's a sellout, still check with HerdZone.com, 1-800-THE-HERD. Whatever you have to do, check there first. All right, anything else about the away game slate? No, not so far. All right, so number three, mini plan tickets go on sale July 14th. And let's talk about those. There are two different mini plans. Option one includes Virginia Tech. It's Virginia Tech, Arkansas State, and any of the remaining uh, games that we would be playing here. So uh, they are pairing Arkansas State with Virginia Tech and then any other game that you want to to select. Option two is any of the five that are not Virginia Tech, you pick any three of them. So if you want Virginia Tech, you pick uh, option one. If you can't go to Virginia Tech and you want to get a mini plan, pick option two and pick any of those three. Well, that's kind of surprising to me because I would think that they wouldn't give you the option of that pick your own third game. I I would think you're like, okay, you want the Virginia Tech game where we're going to give you the opener, right? Because it's the opener and it's, 
you know, I mean, it's going to be well attended, but still it's not a marquee home game. Right. Right. So I would think that immediately that would be paired with that. So that's a really cool twist, right? Cause that, yeah. that allows you to essentially get Virginia tech homecoming mm-hmm. and, and Arkansas state, and Arkansas state, which is yeah. probably going to be senior day. I would imagine if, if you can get, so what you have, uh, let's just go over the slate here is Albany, the opener ODU, which is homecoming JMU, Georgia Southern and Arkansas state. So, uh, Option two, you can pick any of those three. Option one, mark out Arkansas State, and you can pick Albany, ODU, JMU, Georgia Southern. Again, JMU is going to be a good game uh, to go to. ODU's homecoming. Lots of cool options here for a mini plan, and that's July 14th. So did they give the prices of those mini plans? No, those aren't on here yet. I imagine that uh, those will be uh, announced maybe the day before day of that sort of thing. Um, but that is um, pretty cool. I think to be able to get Virginia tech in that mini plan. And like you said, select a, an additional game. They don't tell you which two. Yeah. And if you're going to, if you're going to gamble, right. If you're like, I don't really want to go to three games, you're going to gamble. There's a good chance that you won't get a Virginia tech ticket, right? Yeah. Because, just like we just talked about, like away game allotments, Virginia Tech's going to be allotted a certain amount of tickets. If they sell those out, then they're going to be able to buy our mini plans to secure that ticket before single game tickets go on sale. So it, it will behoove you to act quickly if there's a game that you want to go to to secure these tickets or the ticket for that game the day those go on sale or really shortly after because it just may not be here for you. We have a good opportunity to have a big sellout against Virginia Tech because of some of the storylines that are going around there and and uh, just the fact that it looks like a really winnable game this year. So folks are going to want to be in attendance to see that win. And you know, when you take into account some of the other storylines, then it kind of turns into a must-see game. Mm-hmm. And it's easily travelable for Virginia Tech fans, too. And a lot of those folks had a great time the last time they came here. Many of them said, man, I can't wait to go back. And then you also have those first-time fans that just want to go to Huntington and they want to see the Memorial Fountain. They want to see Spring Hill Cemetery. They want to see everything because to a college football fan, Huntington is somewhat of a destination because of the history that's around this program. So we take it for granted a lot because we get to go to the Jones six to seven times a year. But – for the away game fan, it's one of those times you got to strike while the iron's hot. So you don't want to miss out just because you're like, ah, I'll wait two weeks, three weeks, or a month or so to get my ticket. You better strike quickly while you have the opportunity. And that greater Blacksburg area, you're looking at two and a half to three and a half hours, depending on where you're located down there to get to Huntington. But there are a lot of fans in the southern part of West Virginia that are Virginia Tech fans. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife's family, they grew up Virginia Tech fans. They were from uh, just across the border in Virginia, then moved uh, into the Beckley area and were still Virginia Tech fans. Um, they want to go to the game. There are a lot of people around here that are going to want to go to the game. You will need to get these early. And after we do our five things, we'll just do a little bonus, like five and a half, and we'll talk about some different ways that you can save money going through the ticket office. All right, so number four, single-game tickets go on sale July 28th for Big Green members and season ticket holders. So 
that is earlier, and we'll talk about that in the next thing, but that is earlier than it goes on for the general public. That's right. So there's a perks uh, for being a, a big green member and a season ticket holder. And July 28th, if you're a big green member, or if you're not and you want to call and get them at that time, say, I'd like to enroll right now, take five bucks a month out of my checking account. I'm becoming a big green member and I'd like to buy single game tickets. That's then right. you can get uh, Virginia Tech tickets before Virginia Tech has an opportunity to go. Yeah. So I don't think that you mentioned it or maybe it's not a, there's not a, like a window, but for the mini plans, is there a little bit of a window for being a big green member before the general public can buy those mini plans? If there is, it didn't say. It See, didn't I, would, say. I would like to think that there is. Otherwise, you've got non-big green members that can just grab a hold of those before your big green member season or uh, single game purchasers can. So don't think, that, don't don't risk it, right? For five bucks, what are you risking it for? <laughs> like just right. join the big green and make sure that you don't call up and you know have the money ready to roll and they go, well, sorry, you're not a big green member. Right. And and it's not worth getting into a fight over. Just join the big green for five bucks a month and secure your tickets. So uh, this is going to come into play when we talk about basketball games. It's going to come into play next year when you talk about baseball. I mean, it's just worth it. Join the big green. But you mentioned it. Right. So you're going to be probably looking at into August, early August before non big green member, non season ticket holders can buy single game tickets. And if you want to talk about what's left of what's left, that's going to be what's left. Yeah. So it's not mentioned on there. I did just now uh, fire off a question to someone that would know, and I'm hoping that we can get clarification before we wrap up the five things, but it does make sense. Uh, Oh, nope. They said no. Uh, July the 14th is, is, open mini plans for everybody. So there you you go. Imagine Virginia tech is going to probably look at that mini plan option and they'll buy up some that way. Yep. That's what I was afraid of. Right. So uh, there that if you want to maintain a true home field advantage, then you're going to have to buy these tickets up when the mini plans go on sale, if you're not a season ticket holder. you What we ultimately want to do is, if there are any left for Virginia Tech fans to get, we want them pushed back to that single game window, right? Because mm-hmm. the other thing we don't want is a bunch of Virginia Tech fans buying a three-game mini package and then taking up tickets and seats for our fans from homecoming or whatever else, right? right. We want a full stadium at all those games. So right. pull the trigger and get it done but I would still encourage you to spend the extra five bucks a month and just be a big green member. We need it. We just need it. We need to fund scholarships for all of our athletes. Not to mention the, the other thing that we mentioned here, you know, away game tickets going on sale. You have to be a big green member. And then the single game tickets, uh, uh, you have to be a big green member when those go on sale, but might as well just go ahead and get it before July 14th. No time like today. When you're listening today, if you're not a big green member, it's $60, five bucks a month. And we talk all the time about what you can save through our vendors around here, the retailers, the uh, food service places. You can go over and get your car worked on and get 10% off of the total bill. You can make that money back very easily. Just become a big green member today. 
Yeah, and and not even the perks, not even the perks, just being able to get tickets, like you said, sold out basketball game. You know, having a having the ability to maybe nudge in there and get a ticket because you're a big green member, it goes a long way. If, if there's a game on the uh, on the slate that you want to see, things like this they pay off. You know, and it's not a big investment personally, but it's a huge imbe- investment in the programs in the athletic department when 500 new members join. Thousand new members join for five. It's all scholarship money, all scholarship money. And, you know, talk to your uh, tax uh, professional, but at least a portion of this is tax deductible. Some people, it may be the entire thing. I don't really want to get into everybody's taxes because it's so across the board different for everyone. But uh, as I understand it, you should probably get at least 50% that you can write off. So 30 of your dollars uh, you can write off. Uh, at the least, and you're going to have to worry about making an additional $30 back and you're helping the university and you get tickets early, do it today. Become a big <laughs> dream member. Do it now. All right. Number five, single game tickets for the general public is August the 3rd. So See? you've got, you've got a full week that you can buy tickets before anybody else. And if those Virginia tech fans don't get the single game or many plans, and they only want to get the single game, uh, you don't want to be fighting them on August the 3rd to try to get those tickets. You want to get them early, like we talked about just now, get them on July 28th. And it doesn't, again, they too can join the Big Green for fit, for five bucks a month and just have yeah. that week early window. So we need to protect the Joan. We need to protect our, our seats. And we need to make sure that uh, – when they stripe the stadium, that it's truly green and white. You don't want it spattered in there with, you know, burgundy or whatever the hell they're going to be wearing. Could be orange. I don't know. But you, we want it to look really good. So we need to step up. We can't just say we're about it. We have to be about it. And to be about it, oftentimes you have to just pull out your wallet and pull the trigger on a ticket, two tickets, maybe join the big green. You have to do it, right? If, if we want to compete at a championship level, Russ, what does it take? Championship level fan support. I say that all the time. I mean, nobody's asking anybody to overextend themselves, but I don't think if you're paying for a ticket anyway, an extra $5 on the month is overextending yourself. I, I think we can all, you know, fit that into the budget. Now let's talk about our bonus thing or half thing, because it really, you could put this on uh, anything from two through five of our five things today. Season tickets are available now. If you want to guarantee that you get this, uh, you don't have to wait till July the 14th and get a mini plan. You can get season tickets. And a lot of people go, oh, season tickets, I can't make it to every game. Oh, I can't, uh, you know, I, I'm, I can only go to three games, so I'm going to wait till the mini plan and all that. I understand, but most people are of that assumption because they think that it costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get season tickets. It does not. KD, what is the cheapest amount you can pay to get a season ticket? Well, if you buy at least four or you've got four buddies, or however you can do it. But as long as you can group together and get four, you can get them for ninety-nine bucks a piece. And and uh, if if not, let's say you're gonna get one or two. I think the cheapest ticket is one hundred and forty-five bucks in the end zone. There's a little small caveat for young graduates, and that is any young grad uh, from graduated from Marshall spring two thousand eighteen or later, and you must be a Big Green member. And it's only at the minimum five bucks a month, 60 bucks a year. 
you can get a $99 season ticket. See, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad they brought back the young graduate thing. That was cool. That is $16.50 per ticket, including Virginia Tech. 99 bucks, you know, and I don't know what that game is going. I'm going to assume it's going to be in the 35 to 45 dollar mark for a single game ticket somewhere around there yeah probably so so nearly half of what you would be paying uh a third to a half of what you would be paying just uh for the the season ticket would be for if you're going to that game uh alone so if you want to go to virginia tech the very first thing you should do right now uh especially if you're a young graduate Become a big green member for five bucks a month. Get a $99 season ticket. You do not have to buy them in sections of four. Those are individual. No, that you, the section of four was for non-young graduates. Yeah. Me and you. Like if I wanted to go buy them, yeah. I, I got to buy four in section what, 105 or something uh, like that. There, there's actually a couple different ones. You will want to use the promo code FAMILY. And uh, it is not just section 105 anymore. Cool. It's 105. 107 and 113. Oh, okay. So uh, if you're in the chair backs facing uh, the east side of the stadium, uh, 105 and 107 are between like the 10 and 35, somewhere through there. And then 113 is uh, not, uh, it's about the 30 yard line or 25 or something on the on the right side. I mean, side. It, it butts up against, I don't the old student section. Yeah, like, 115. 115 was the student section when we were students, and it was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, so it's it's in that general area. But that's great that they didn't limit it to just one section. It gives a little flex, right. flexibility there. I'm going to give you one more note on this, and then we'll move along, right? We got into this discussion about somebody – uh, tweeted a picture of Marshall's schedule from like ESPN or something. And you know how they do, how it says buy tickets from or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, season tickets are still on sale. None of these single games have been released because we just talked about them, gave you the dates. Well, that game for Virginia Tech said that it was $155. And we and I got into a discussion because I said, well, these A, these tickets aren't even released yet. So that price mm-hmm. is weird. But just so you know, you could go right now to Herd Zone and buy a season ticket for $145, so you would get the entire season for less than what's being advertised, quote-unquote, on ESPN. But folks see stuff like that, and they think, dang, tickets are already like that crazy? Where am I going to have to find them when all they've got to do is go to the Herd Zone website or go call 1-800-THE-HERD and just ask about tickets? So if you're a, a young alumni, 2018 or more recent, I would absolutely take advantage of that $99 season ticket. I mean, that is awesome. That was one of the greatest things they brought that came out a few years ago, several years back. And I'm really glad to see that that either made a return or, you know, whatever, because that helps when you're young and trying to get established, every little bit helps. And they want you to continue with a passion for Marshall football and herd athletics Mm -hmm. to get you back to the game so that when you finally do get into a position to where you can afford a little bit more, you still want to come back to games. That's a great, that's how you build a fan base. And look, just just because you graduate, never graduate, right? Never graduate. People passionate about herd athletics, they've never graduated. I mean, in, in their mind on a game day, it's still, just as great as it always has been. And that's what we need. That's what we want. Here's uh, those season tickets. And this is the last thing we'll do before moving on. 
Lower end zone, as you mentioned, $145. Sideline, $205. Again, unless you're a young grad, that's saving over $100. Yeah. $106, more than cutting it in half if you're a young grad uh, to be able to get on those sidelines in those three specific uh, sections. East Prime, uh, those are um, right there on the uh, 50-yard line, the 40 to the 40 or so, uh, $230. And the West chair backs, uh, same uh, 30 to 30 or 40 to 40, are $325. But those also come with a uh, minimum big green donation. Some some of these have a minimum big green donation that are larger than others. You just need to go on or call, stop by the brand new ticket office location on the third floor of city national bank on 20th street and third Avenue, go up and talk to those guys up there in person, sit down and talk to them about what's right for you. Call them at 1-800-THE-HERD or go on herdzone.com and go to the tickets. Any of those three things, go on there and see what's right for you and get season tickets. I talk to people seemingly all year long that say, well, I'd kind of like to get season tickets, but I imagine it's just, crazy expensive and i was like you got 99 dollars?" and they're like yeah i was like you got three friends yeah well there you go yeah (laughs) use the promo code family f-a-m-i-l-y and you can get 99 dollar tickets right now yeah i tell you what uh, if folks listen to this episode if you decided to get uh, off the fence and join the big green and get some season tickets as you were listening to this, let us know, tweet at us, tell us, Hey yep. man, I did it. I did it. Joined the big green. I'm stoked about it. And I got season tickets. I secured my seats at the Joan. I'm going to make sure that a green and white butt is in, uh, is in my seat at the Joan and not some Virginia tech fan. That is the kind of stuff we love hearing about. Please get at us on social media. If that's what you decided to do this week. And not only tell us, tell the ticket office when you're telling them that, because they need to know where you're coming from as a fan. It's not just about us. Wherever you hear about, I want to be a season ticket holder, and I I decided I was going to join the Big Green, or I decided I was going to get season ticket holder, uh, become a season ticket holder, uh, they need to know where that's coming from so they know what is working for their marketing and how they are getting the word out, okay? So tell them. If you heard it from us, great. We're not, we don't get any kickbacks. No, I just just want to interact with you. They just need that info. You know, so tell us that's great, but also tell them. And more importantly than anything, tell 10 of your friends. Yeah, yeah, I don't want, we get nothing from it. I just want to interact with you and and talk about how cool it is that you decided to make the choices that you did. Russ, you got anything for Around the Herd? Let's continue that before we get into the breakdown series and the secondary this week. Yeah, so over the past week and a half-ish, I think it was actually during uh, last week, but for men's basketball, we had already reported on it a couple of weeks ago, but Pete Moe officially is going to be on the roster. Uh, we did not discuss that last week. So just for anyone that uh, has not seen that official announcement, uh, that uh, commitment has become official. Uh, Pete is a six foot nine uh, forward slash center, but also has a perimeter game and everything. And uh, uh, as we had reported, as we understand it, he will be walking on, the first year uh, that he's here or first semester that he's here or whatever uh, because of our full allotment of scholarships. Yeah. 
out of the Indianapolis era area, a great addition to this herd roster as we continue to evolve and and see what this new look, I'm going to call it a new look herd because, hey, man, a lot changed from last year. A lot of guys returned, but it's you can't get, there's no two ways around it. You know, Kenzie's exhausted eligibility and Logdon's gone. Andy Taylor's gone. It's a new look herd, right? There's yeah. there's a lot of production gone. We got to see how it all works. In addition, a guy like Pete Moe can only help uh, with uh, what, what his game brings to the herd roster. So what else we got? Well, also in basketball, Tavion Kenzie uh, made his debut uh, for the Utah Jazz's affiliate team, and he is uh, now on the roster and playing. And he had, I think it was uh, 19 minutes that he got in. and Yeah, I think it was nine points in 19 minutes, I believe is what I saw. I think it was six points and three three assists or something like that. Okay. I did see that – Grant Trailer tweeted that he was one of just two players on the Jazz roster to end in a positive plus minus, which is a stat that I know you love. I love at, that yeah. at the end of the game. So that's that's quite telling, right? I mean, anytime you're uh, ending ending a game in a positive plus <laughs> on the plus minus category, that means your uh, your team is a little bit more effective when you're on the floor. You're making a difference, and to be only one of two players to end the game that way. Hey, man, look out. I tweeted that Tavion's on a mission, and it looks like he is. I saw a few clips from the game. Of course, you know, I was uh, unable to watch because I don't have NBA TV. But um, the few clips that were posted by the Utah Jazz and things like that, uh, really happy for Tavion, man. I think as as we get further away, and this is, this is kind of what's um, bad, it's going to take fans – like he's gonna, we're gonna have to be more removed from his martial career before more fans are like, man, how great that guy was. And I hate that. That's why I like appreciating people in real time while they're here and, yeah. you know, taking, quit constantly comparing players to other players on a greatness scale. Why can't you just be happy with what is in front of you and see, you know, the, appreciate the greatness that you're seeing in real time? I think that's a, a shame if that's if that's how it ultimately goes, you know. But uh, I'm really happy for Tavion. He looks like he's on a mission to make this roster and make the most of this one guaranteed year that he has. I think he's got the stuff, man. Of course, we're a little biased, but I just think he's going to fit right in there, man. I really do. He has the intangibles, not just the leaping ability and everything, but uh, he is just such a driven person. Uh, as far as working hard, uh, but he is one of the most humble, nicest individuals you will ever come across as well. He's well-spoken. I think that he's exactly what the NBA would like to have. Yeah, I would have to agree. All right, so uh, soccer, I don't know if they have wrapped up or if they're still playing as of right now, but you know they're still down there in Brazil. And again, we can't talk enough about how they have gone this offseason playing these uh, – international squads to get i mean you know you could be sitting at home right now or you could be scrimmaging each other right now why not fly down to brazil and play some uh, really good teams to get that much better so i'm just so stoked with everything that's going on with that program yeah i i would agree and again we've talked about this in the past it's not just playing and, and competing it's getting your brand out there internationally right oh yeah so how many coaches uh, or prospects or whatever are raising eyebrows at like, who is this team from, you know, Huntington, West Virginia? Where's that at? And then you start doing a little research and next thing you know, you know, that you've got, you've got 
years and years worth of potential prospects that are eyeballing your school. The only other thing I want to say about this is soccer season tickets, just like football season tickets, are going to be in high demand. We have already secured our our tickets again, so we'll be giving away tickets to all of the home games, both men's and women's, Mm -hmm. at the vet because we went all in. All in. As we encourage you to do, if you are going to buy football season tickets, let's go back to that real quick. Let's circle back around. Spend the extra 25 bucks, go all in, and secure yourself season tickets for volleyball and support that program too. But uh, we we are buying all of the tickets yet again, Russ, and we're going to be giving them away to all of our listeners and followers on social media to help put herd butts in herd seats at herd games in Huntington, West Virginia. That is one of the staples of this show and uh, one of the staples of what we are trying to do to further galvanize this great fan base that we have. We would we just want to keep kicking it up a notch and a notch and a notch. And when you go all in, it's everything you said, plus there's some merchandise that you get as well. Uh, also perks for uh, single-game tickets, perks for other things that get offered to you first. Yeah. All right. So uh, – Baseball, the only thing that I have there is if you have not seen on social media the recent uh, overhead uh, uh, flybys of what that stadium looks like, it looks like a stadium now. Mm-hmm. And somewhere there is somebody going, ah, it'll never happen because they're, st- <laughs> they're, still, they're still wanting to do it. But uh, if, uh, if you're in Huntington and you can go over there, you should drive over and look and see – just how far it's come. And, you know, all these people said there's no chance it gets uh, ready by March of next year. It's looking like a stadium. So, well, uh, I've got a couple things on baseball, okay. right? Uh, and we, this is so far, this episode, we're roughly 40 minutes in and, and everything's been very ticket heavy, but it's that time of year, right? If we're going to talk about, we might as well oh, talk yeah, about Yeah, it. yeah. Don't forget about the Herd Brick campaign. Herdbricks.com, go get your bricks because Christian Spears has said, if you want tickets to that first game, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to get a ticket unless you take part in the Herd Bricks campaign. Russ and I have both personally committed that we are going to do it and the Thundercast as a whole is going to commit to doing it. So you're going to have at least three bricks between Russ and I that get purchased for this pro- this program because it's important. And, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Hopefully this thing stands as a cathedral for Herd Athletics for decades and decades and decades to come. And I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. I, I've... I have talked to my wife about it, and and we've decided what we're going to put on our brick. And I'm not going to divulge that, of course, but because uh, it doesn't really matter. Nobody really cares. Uh, I care. I but, care. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do that. And mm-hmm. you know, I know you're gonna do that, and and mm-hmm. the show is gonna do that. So we are trying to make sure we can secure tickets to that first game, and that's the kind of thing that I might have to make a special trip into Huntington just to be a part of because. When is that ever going to happen again? When is the first game at the Jack going to happen again? It's, it's not, right? Yeah. So you, you, these are historic type things that are coming up. You know, it's like being the first game at the football stadium, right? That only happens once. So I want to be a part of that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping that by buying a brick, there's no guarantee, 
But by buying a brick, I will have an opportunity to get season tickets, get tickets to that first game. So make notes of that too. There is no deadline still for herd bricks for the campaign to end. Mm -hmm. But when you got that little extra loot laying around and you're thinking, man, just do it, right? So another thing to keep in mind, herd bricks is going on, football season tickets going on, soccer tickets going on, all this stuff is going on. But uh, in speaking, I can say this now, uh, you know, because it's out. But the latest interview uh, inside the inside word on the herd through the Thunder Trust, uh, exclusively for the 1837 NIL Honors Club members, is an interview with head baseball coach Greg Beals. And let me tell you what, man, that was one of the best interviews of all of the interviews that I've ever been a part of. The guy just makes you get fired up for herd baseball. I mean, if you're still on the fence, I'm glad there are people still saying this ain't going to get done because it's going to make them look pretty foolish when you open the gates for that first game, right? Uh, But join the 1837 NI Honors Club if you have $18.37 kicking around also so that you can hear this content. Greg Bills will get you fired up, man. You will want to buy a whole damn facade worth of bricks with uh, what he's got planned and what he's going to be able to do with the addition of the stadium. I'm really fired up for herd baseball. I am too. You know, I'm a huge baseball guy and I have just been telling all my other baseball guys, I can't wait to sit over there wherever. I don't even know where I'm going to be. You know, I just doesn't matter, (laughs) but I don't know if I'm going to be in the, uh, a lot of people that are listening may not know this, but there's going to be some outfield, uh, seating that, uh, is kind of cool. It's like a, uh, Connex box or a storage container, shipping container, that sort of thing that, you know, has seating on the top and, you know, tailgating area on the bottom. I don't know if I'm going to shoot for that or if those will be available or, uh, I don't know if I'm going to try to get on the sideline or try to get behind home plate. It doesn't matter. I just want to be in a seating area watching Marshall baseball with a dog and a brew. And that's that's just all I care about, man. I just yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah, I tried to look this up. And I hopefully if there's a historian that knows this, I would like to know because I, I would like to know um, who who was the opponent for Jack Cook's final game as coach at Marshall. Uh, there's just not much out there, you know, in the world of Google to find stuff like that. And if there's a historian that knows that, man, I'm, I'm kind of just hoping that that's like the home opener. You know, well, like my, my uh, go-to for any kind of uh, historian stuff like that, if it's not his official title, it should be, but Cotton, uh, Steve Cotton. And I know that he has – everything on football lockdown but if i had to imagine he'll have that encyclopedic knowledge of that with jack cook as well so i may reach out to him and see what he says yeah if steve if between steve cotton and woody rudrum if it's not out there then it's not known right but it's got to be in a book somewhere there's there's a record somewhere and i was thinking man that would be a really cool first opponent if that was somebody that you could schedule right just to just it just feels like that should be a thing but i have no idea who that team is i really looked for it i couldn't find it but you know that would be good to reach out and try to find out russ maybe we can talk about that next week yeah all right that's all i've got for around the herd so why don't we talk about the defensive backs yeah let's move into the breakdown series going to continue this week i told you last week when we were uh talking about the offensive line that this week would be the secondary so 
Here we go. Secondary, uh, coached by Chevis Jackson in his second season with the herd. Uh, this is pretty eye-opening stuff, Russ. You know how we love ourselves some Phil Steele, and he does the best job out there when it comes to preseason uh, football. We've seen some some things even this week about other publications. I saw Paul Swan tweeted a picture of, uh, I can't remember what, Lindy's maybe? Lindy's, yeah. Wrong city. Hello, yeah. wrong city? I can yeah. get the conference. I can get maybe you thinking, oh, they're still in Conference USA. But the wrong city? Well, they had, uh, they had Charleston? Yeah, they had Charleston down. Yeah, but they had uh, our Sunbelt record. Uh, uh, and then they had Conference USA uh, listed at a separate time. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's. Well, they uh, had us, uh, they, first of all, they had us listed as 10th in the Sunbelt. Okay. So you're not doing much research there. Nobody yeah. in the country is listing Marshall 10th in the Sunbelt. But then after that, it was last year's conference record where it said Conference USA. But yeah. I just can't get past saying that Marshall University is in Charleston, West Virginia. You did less than the bare minimum. Because how was that ever wrong to begin with? You put these magazines out annually. Yeah. So somebody had to physically go in and change it from Huntington to Charleston. So big L on Lindy's. Another great reason to stick to Phil because Phil knows the drill. <laughs> so national ranking for Phil still on this herd secondary, Russ, 33rd ranked secondary in America. Let me say that again for everybody that might not be paying attention. 33rd. And this was this is without Stephen Gilmore, without mm. Andre Sam, without Isaiah Norman. Perk up on that, guys. Sun Belt Conference rank for Phil number one, not tied for number one, number one overall secondary rank in the Sun Belt Conference. Big accolades, of course. Most of them, if not all of them, for this unit are going preseason to Micah Abraham. We mentioned that he was named a fourth team All American by Phil Steele either last week or the week before. But he's also, of course, a first-team All-Sunbelt Conference preseason selection by Phil Steele. This herd zone roster, man, I really wish it was more accurate. Um, I'm not tossing shade at anybody, but it does make things a little bit different, you know, because we're trying to be as accurate as we can. But mm -hmm. there are just there are just names that don't appear, so it leaves questions. We got into a question uh, earlier this week about quarterbacks, and you know we 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 come to find out. I I got my mind put at ease a little bit over some things, but the roster's just not been updated in a while. Like after the spring, uh, I think I guess portal window maybe they removed the guys that transferred out, they might've added a handful that came in, but still it's not hundred percent accurate. Let's put it that way. I wish it was, but it isn't. But currently on the herd zone roster right now for 2023, there are 17 uh, in the secondary. Now this is a combination of defensive backs and safeties. So that's encompassing all 11 DBs, six safeties currently on the roster. Who exhausted eligibility from last year? Well, I named most of them. Uh, Stephen Gilmore exhausted eligibility. Isaiah Norman exhausted eligibility. And Joshua Bowers exhausted eligibility. Guys who hit the portal and left the herd. Of course, Andre Sam left, went to uh, Tulane, and then left Tulane and ended up at LSU after Coach Guidry was hired at Miami. EJ Jackson hit the portal and has transferred and enrolled at Appalachian State. So we'll see him on the schedule later this year. Danzis Miller and Dink Jackson both hit the portal. 
portal in. Uh, there are a quartet of guys that I can find. There may be one or two that have slipped through the cracks, but again, until everything's fully accurate online, there's no way of really knowing. Um, portal in JJ Roberts, local guy, Cabell Midland guy comes back from Wake Forest. Josh Moten heads over from Texas A&M. Ishmael Ibrahim comes over from the University of Texas. And Jason Wentz comes over after a couple of years stint away from football, but ultimately from Ohio State. We got into that story a few weeks back, and there was a whole video that they put out on YouTube to give you a little backstory if you want to dive into that. Incoming freshmen, there are a trio that I could find. You got Caleb Clark Glover from the Cincinnati area, Tashawn Jeter from Winston-Salem, and then Amir Foster from down here in South Florida in Miami. Russ, uh, before we start getting into some projected starters, let's talk through this unit, uh, this what it could like look like this year versus what it looked like and how it produced last year. What are your initial thoughts on the herd secondary? Well, we lost some uh, very good talent. Uh, you would think that we lost uh, enough that it would be a concern going in, and I feel like it is not. It is more a strength out of this uh, any any position groups. I feel like it is one of our strengths, and it is deep. Uh, I would like to reserve the rest of the stuff because I don't want to get into strengths, weaknesses, uh, breakout players, that sort of thing, because we'll cover that in a minute. But overall. After losing those three and still saying this is one of our major strengths, I think that says a lot about this position group. I think it says a whole hell of a lot when you lose a guy like Stephen Gilmore, a guy like Andre Sam, and Isaiah Norman, both safeties. So this will be either the second or third consecutive year where Marshall is replacing both starting safeties. And we, mm -hmm. so far to this point, and we have to see how the season goes this year, but up to this point, in replacing both of your safeties year over year, we've seen zero production drop-off, zero. We've done an excellent yeah. job at hitting the portal for instant impact safeties, and I think we've at least done that to a certain degree. I don't know that we'll see two transfers in the safety roles this year, but I have a good feeling that J.J. Roberts is going to be a staple in one of those safety positions. But anyway, uh, I'm with you. There is a lot of production that is lost. You just cannot – blindly turn your head and say, well, you know, it's not a big deal that Stephen Gilmore and Andre Sam are gone. It's not a big deal that uh, Isaiah Norman is gone because they were vastly impactful players, right? Joshua Bowers was really good reserve defensive back as well. And then when you talk about <coughs> some guys that had played a lot like EJ Jackson, he's an upperclassman, you know, he hits the portal. That's a, that's a lot of game reps. It's a got a lot of game speed reps that are also gone off of the roster. And to still be ranked in the top 33 nationally and to have the all-by-yourself number one in the, in the Sunbelt Conference, I think Marshall could be scary good in the secondary. <laughs> like, scary good. Now, I, I think there's a lot that is being um, attributed to some transfer players and coming in and being impactful that haven't really put up a lot of stats at their other stops. But so what? If you can play, you can play. Right, it's a death chart. Everybody works their way up, and if you can come in and and make an instant impact here, then that could be very well what we're in in line to see. Uh, let's talk about some of those projected starters, Russ. I don't think anybody is going to argue with us 
that Micah Abraham is a projected starter. Yeah. Senior Micah Abraham. Uh, 13 starts last year, 36 tackles, 10 pass breakups last year, and six interceptions, which was tied for first in the Sunbelt Conference. This is a huge, huge piece that decided to return to this defense, a massively huge piece. It, I did, we can't talk about that enough, and I, and I don't think anybody's going to argue with us, but what Micah Abraham brings to the table from a corner standpoint is just – it, I, I can't put the proper adjectives to it because what it allows you to do um, defensively from that whole second secondary uh, position group, that whole unit, having guys like that just means so much. They mean so, and if you know, you know. You can't you can't just properly articulate it because you can talk about coverage. He's got a he developed real knack for going to get the football last year. Six interceptions is huge. You're looking at roughly a pass breakup per game. Uh, you know, give or take, it's a little under, but still 10 pass breakups last year. It's a big, big, huge piece. Uh, on the other side, it could be a number of guys that are going to go at cornerback two because we're going to rip off four guys, but it depends on what defense you're running, right? You could easily mm -hmm. have five or six defensive backs on the on the field at any given time. But we're just going to go with four right now to keep a cornerback one, two, and a free safety and a strong safety, just to keep it simple. I'm going to say it's going to be sophomore cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim that comes over from Texas. Just one game and one pass breakup last year at Texas. But look, if you go to the Texas website and you read his bio, this kid was a high school All-American coming out, uh, played in the Under Armour All-American game, super highly touted. So that tells you that all the skills are there, probably buried on the death chart because I don't keep up with Texas football I find it probably hard to believe that there has been a true freshman starting at corner for Texas in a while. Now, there may have been, but I imagine that's exceedingly hard. I mean, it doesn't happen here either. You know, very every now and again it happens. Chris Jackson started as a freshman. Gilmore started as a freshman. But it just doesn't happen very often. So being in the fire, um, being through that, First season of college ball, we talk about that a lot, not de dealing with the homesickness or whatever freshmen deal with, getting into that weight program, getting your body right. You've heard talk, Huff talk about that a lot. I think you're primed to come to Marshall into the Sunbelt Conference and have a really big instant impact season from a transfer standpoint. Let's go with the safeties now. Strong safety, junior Daytuan Smith played nine games over two years for the herd last year, four games last year. Uh, I said nine games over, yeah, nine games over two years for the herd. Four games last year with 18 tackles in 2022. Uh, Daytona made some plays for us last year that really put him on some, on the radar for a lot of folks and in, in sparing play. So this he, is a he was out for a while with an injury. Was, People yeah. need to remember that that the four games was not because he was struggling to to get uh, playing time. He was out for a while, yeah, and as out. soon as he came in, he was an impact player for us. That's right. So, folks, you might just see that four games and go, well, this guy barely played. Well, there's a reason. It wasn't yeah. because you couldn't crack the two deep or, yeah. or or crack the death chart to get some meaningful game out. You were dinged up. You couldn't get in there. Uh, and then I mentioned before, I think our free safety, well, I don't know which is going to play where, but I'm going to list free safety a junior uh, J.J. Roberts, right, because he was a really highly recruited guy out of the state of the West, state of West Virginia when he came out of high school, out of Cabell Midland, ended up at Wake Forest. He had five starts uh, in his career at Wake Forest, 46 total tackles, 11 pass breakups, an interception, and three forced fumbles 
all while with the Demon Deacons. And now he brings that skill set to Huntington. He brings it back home to, I think, honestly, just be the next in line of great transfer safeties to come and be super impactful at Marshall. Uh, and, of course, if you get into nickel play or dime defenses, you're going to have one to two more defensive backs in there, and we'll talk about those guys too. But let us talk. Let me get your initial thoughts on these four guys before we start talking about guys we might see in a heavy rotation. Well, I think uh, athleticism, uh, big-time experience, and I don't mean that as uh, just here at Marshall, but Ibrahim – uh, being uh, an All-American and then going to Texas. Um, there's some others here that I'll talk about in a minute, but where they went and their recruiting uh, process, who they were recruited by just tells you the level of, of experience that these players probably have. And I just feel like this is such a deep roster. I don't know that I would have those four as the set in stone right now. And it's just because I haven't been able to see them. Right. You know? it, it, this We're just speculating. But those four are probably as good a guess as you're going to find, in my opinion, uh, for those uh, positions. And we'll talk about some others here in a minute. But my goodness, you've got a lockdown corner on one side. And on the other side, you've got projected a guy that could have been playing at Texas this year. Um all the athleticism in the world. And then you've got uh, safety. You've got one guy that grew up going to Marshall games here and then <laughs> went away to Wake Forest and, you know, has all the, uh, the eye test uh, measurables that, that you can have at JJ Roberts. And then day two on Smith just had, you know, instant impact when he was finally uh, free from injury last year. So that looks like a very vaunted defensive backfield, right? There. Yeah, and, and again, this is just speculation. This is just this is just pure speculation of who we think will be the start. I mean, I think the only one, unless injured, that you could one hundred percent put a stamp on it is Micah Abraham. Micah Abraham. He, he's not going to come back and set the bench, right? Because he's yeah. he, he's just that damn good. But I like the idea of going into the big 12 to get a corner because we all know how that league passes. We, right. we all know that you have to have good corners to compete in the big 12. And, you know, you also go in uh, to the sec and you get a corner from Texas A&M. So I like the, the theory and I like the fact that these guys are great athletes in their own right. And, Oftentimes, we've seen that translate well to Marshall and translate uh, to provide some sort of success, for, especially recently. I mean, you know, people weren't beating down the door saying, oh, man, look, we got this transfer from Austin P. You know, we don't know anything about him. And Isaiah Norman comes in and has a fabulous season. He gets dinged up a little bit, misses a little bit of time. But when he's healthy, he's on. And I don't think anybody would – turn down having another year with that guy yeah. in the secondary, you know, so you can't always say, well, let me see where they came from because great players end up everywhere. Right. And we, we were fortunate enough to get uh, Andre Sam from McNeese and then Isaiah Norman from Austin P and both of them were off the charts last year. 
Let's talk about a handful of players that we could see easily in that heavy rotation of defensive backs. Some of these guys may even end up being week one starters. Uh, I guess we have to start with Jadarius Green McKnight, right? Because he transferred in last year, came from Florida State. He played 12 games for the herd last year, 25 total tackles, a tackle for loss, a pass breakup, and a fumble recovery. Came in with a lot of hype around him for herd fans, and, and he played a lot of meaningful ball. 12 games for the herd last year. Mm -hmm. Could easily slide into a starting role. Easily. Mm -hmm. uh, carry on Martin. Capital High School, local kid, Charleston, West Virginia, also played 12 games for the Herd last year. Could easily be one of those two safety positions for Marshall. 42 total tackles last year, Russ. That was sixth on the team. Mm -hmm. Sixth on the team. N not in the secondary. So this is mm -hmm. a high performer, right? So he could easily be one of those week one starters. Two and a half tackles for loss last year, two pass breakups, two quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble. I'm not sure that there is a player in this secondary that doesn't get as uh, the the amount of respect that they're due more than Carrion Martin mm -hmm. because he just flies under the radar, shows up to work, does his job, performs, racks up some stats, makes plays for you. He's just been a really solid player for Marshall for a number of years, and it just flat out would not surprise me if he is uh, back there alongside J.J. Roberts, for example, in a safety spot. Another guy that played a little bit for the herd last year, we were really excited about in spring ball, Jacoby Henderson. Right, mm -hmm. we talked about him going toe to toe with our number ones at receiver. He garnered some really positive pub and uh, ended up playing four games for the herd last year. Notched one tackle. Uh, this could be another one of those scenarios. Like we don't know the intimate workings of everybody, right? This could be another one of those. He was dinged up for some of the year and just didn't have the opportunity to get on the field because we saw in spring ball, he absolutely has the skill set and the talent to be on that field playing for Marshall. The motor is what he had. And if you remember, he uh, tracked down that uh, long, should have been a touchdown and he did not give up and he ran him down from behind and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for him as well. Me too. And now we finally get to a, another transfer that we mentioned before. Josh Moten comes over from Texas A&M. Uh, two games, one tackle at Texas A&M. But he was a four-star prospect in the state of – or in, nationally coming out and a top 16 prospect overall in the state of Maryland. Right? So if you come from Maryland and end up at Texas A&M, SEC ball – and you're willing to go all the way from Maryland to Texas to play that ball, you must be pretty daggone good. Because we know as much as Texas A&M may underachieve as a team versus how they recruit, they still go out and recruit some doggone players. Jimbo Fisher can absolutely go and recruit. I'm not going to get into the who's and what's and how things go for him and them down there. That's that, whatever. I don't care about Texas A&M in that standpoint. But – Year in and year out, they have top recruiting classes. And to have a guy like Josh Moten to come in, who's a four-star high school prospect, one of the top 16 in Maryland when he came out, to have him come to Huntington now, a little bit closer to home, that's got to feel good. Family can probably come down, check out a game or two every now and again. And to have been through, again, been through the fire, been through that, that acclimation to collegiate ball and the college lifestyle, all those growing pains came in College Station. Now we get the benefit from all that here in Huntington. It's a guy I'm really excited about. Uh, AJ AG McGee, five games for the herd last year, five tackles. Deonnie Hill, 10 games for the herd last year, 
one tackle. And then you got a guy named Gabriel Grubbs, who not a lot of folks are talking about. Two games last year, two tackles. Now, some of those you've got to figure that came on special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody's lining up at, at in the secondary spot, but still. Yeah. Um, there are a handful of guys still on the roster, but Russ, when you talk about Jadarius Green McKnight, who we saw a lot, Carry on Martin, who we saw a lot, Jacoby Henderson, who we're stoked about, both of us are, and Josh Moten, McGee, Hill, and Grubbs. What is that? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's 11 guys that have either played meaningful ball for the herd, saw game action for the herd, who are coming in, and we are expecting to provide instant transfer impact for this Marshall secondary. Does it really kind of start to make sense of why this unit is number one in the Sunbelt preseason right now? You're talking about 11 guys that could come in and play meaningful football for Marshall University in week one. It's just, uh, it's insane to me. I'm sitting here thinking of uh, the way Kim Stevens's basketball, you know, sub out a full five, sub in a fresh five. You could do that. Now, obviously, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in football things. But <laughs> you could, though, say, hey, this series, we're going to give you four a break and put these four in. And I don't feel like it would drop off too much. And that sort of depth is is crazy to me, you know, that, that you've got um, people that, I mean, if I interviewed people and say, give me your starters, other than Micah Abraham, yeah, I feel like if, Put, people put those guys in as starters. I could say, hey, I, I can't argue with that. I think there's a great case that they could end up being the starter. Yeah, when you talk about those first four that we talked about, right? Uh, um, Abraham, Ibrahim, Roberts, and uh, who's the other one I said? I don't remember who I said. Let me look back here. Dayton Smith. Dayton Smith. Yeah. Now, and if you take those four and you say, okay, well, who's the next four? Well, Jadarius Green McKnight, carry on Martin, Jacoby Henderson, Josh Moten. Two corners, two safeties. Yeah. Would production drop a little bit? Probably. Would it become a the word that has been the focal point of a lot of argument this week? Would, it, would they then become a liability? Hell no, they wouldn't become a liability, right? So eight, a solid top eight, right? A solid top eight. And you're never going to sub out all four and sub in four more. It's, that's not going to happen. Right. So you're always going to have some holdover of, you know, Abraham's probably not coming off the field unless he's hurt. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen. I doubt that, you know, Roberts or both safeties are going to come off the field unless something drastic has happened. So being able to sub in here and there and here and there, man, Marshall's in a really good spot. I feel like, and and we're, and we're, and there are still a handful of guys that we can, that I'm going to mention that are just on the roster, right? They're either new to the program or incoming freshmen. So, there's a there's a real potential here for some guys to get some meaningful reps going up against our offense, our scout team, our, things like that. To where you know we're, we we could be looking good here for another couple of years because let's face it, huffing them if they need somebody, they go to the portal and get that somebody to shore and, things up. That a, and good, they're not just getting a body; they're getting a good player. 
yet they're getting that somebody that they yeah. need. It's not just, like you said, a body. So let's talk about a handful of guys that are just still on, uh, that are also on the roster. Uh, a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, right? Uh, Joshua McTeer, Caleb Clark Glover, who we mentioned earlier as an incoming freshman, Caleb Horton, a redshirt freshman, Mason Mitchell is a true freshman, Jacob Pinckney, true freshman, and Jason Haggerty as a true freshman. Of course, not on the roster currently that I mentioned before in the signing class uh, to Sean Jeter and Amir Foster. So we don't know if the roster has just not been updated or if those guys aren't coming to Huntington. We don't know. That's why I would love to have an accurate roster. So as, I, as I understand it, we just have not updated everything and uh, that that probably won't come out until – fall practice begins right I don't know if that's august 1st so until we get that updated roster we're not going to be as accurate on not just people that are on there but height and weight you know some people sure. are still yeah. growing and they're <laughs> yeah, their bodies. About, remember last year when we talked about Cade Cunningham being like 169 pounds and his parents chick- chuckled at that because yeah. it was like last year's the year before that's weight and he had put on quite a bit of quite quite a bit of weight and muscle so that was that was that's funny. I, well, I even uh, when uh, we got the transfer, of Luke Soto. You remember we announced it and we found his uh, his bio and stats and everything. And I stood next to him at the signing day thing, and we were chuckling about that. And he said, "Do I look six four to you?" And I'm six three, and yeah. you know he was noticeably taller than me. And he was like, "I'm six six, and I think he said two <laughs> two sixty five or something like that." And I said, I well, believe I'm, you, man. <laughs> I will be honest with you. Once it gets over six one, it's all the same to me because they're just <laughs> they're just tall. <laughs> it does doesn't matter. So, you know, I, I'm cool with that. Look, let's talk about some strengths and weaknesses of this overall group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got three and two. So, um, you want to give me your first strength, and then we'll go talk about uh, what we like about this unit. Yeah, and I don't have these in order. So, uh, yeah, depth number one for me. And I think that we've hit home on that already on how you could, even though it wouldn't make sense, sub in, sub out, you know, if you had to, and you said, Hey, these are my four that's going to start because of whatever reason, you know, uh, uh, injuries or uh, illnesses or whatever, you could plug in four other guys. And I truly do not think that there would be that much of a drop off. Now I'm not saying everyone's on Mike Abraham's level, uh, but I am saying that as a unit, I don't think that you would have that much drop off. So I, I am going with depth as a huge strength. Yeah, that's actually part of my third strength. They're not in any order either. It's just how they came to me. But it's not just depth, right? It's overall athleticism, football IQ, and depth with this whole unit. So you've got guys that can move all over the field. They know where to be. They know how to play. And there's a lot of them. So we ripped off a lot of guys, 10, 11 guys, but you really think you feel really good about that top seven or eight guys. I mean, Mm -hmm. really, really good. So that allows you to be able to mitigate an injury here and there, dinged up and can't come back and return to the game for the remainder of the game type thing. And you're able to put a guy in there and still feel really good about how the secondary is going to perform. Yeah, you can't take a Micah Abraham off the field and expect everything to just be the same Mm -hmm. because what he does is take away a certain portion of the field to where you have to then game plan for the other three-fourths of the field, right? I'm not saying he's taking half of the field away, but he's going to take a chunk of the field away 
to where often uh, opposing offenses are going to have to like take their shots at him. You know, they're just not going to line up and go, well, we can respect the entire field. You, you can't. So you're going to have to pick your moments and try to pick on Micah Abraham. And I like his chances in most of those opportunities. You're going to want to pick on him because he, he showed last year that he'll go up and get the damn football and uh, give it back to the herd offense. What's your second um, strength? It's uh size and speed. And I talk about this a lot other than a couple of freshmen on here that, and I'm not even sure uh, I don't know their status if they're walk-ons or if they were, uh, but you know, you got a five, seven and a five, nine that are true freshmen that are listed on the roster. Other than that, you're looking at five, 10 to six, one to six, two. Um, and all around that, uh, if on an average about one eighty, you know, on, on the size and stuff and their speed, when you watch them, I mean, Henderson uh, running down, that uh, wide receiver last year uh, in the spring game uh, had a, I mean, maybe five, 10 yards on him or whatever. And he took a good angle and, and got him. Um, Abraham, I think you can see, you know, when he uh, needs to, I mean, he just turns on the jets. Uh, all these guys seem to have the size that you would want to see going up against. I mean, some of our, our, wide receivers that we're going up against are going to be in that five, nine to five eleven route. And we're going to have bigger defensive backs than that. It's one of the things that Huff said when he came here, there is a certain size for each position that we're going to go for. And, you know, we used to have undersized on the defensive roster. We do not have that anymore. Yeah. We've got guys that before these players would have been moved from safety down to linebacker you know, at this size of uh, carry on Martin is six one two Oh five or two Oh three or whatever at, on last year's roster, they would have moved him down and he would have been more of that DJ Hunter uh, outside linebacker hybrid kind of, of thing. And we don't have to do that anymore because we have the size and speed that we need at these positions. Yeah. But it's, it's always a good point. And you know, we, even though we might not house a bunch of them on our roster, this conference is littered with wide receivers that are six, three, six, four, you know, these are guys that I don't care how you want to look at it. It is a disadvantage to have five inches worth of height on a guy when you have to defend him, right? Because that five inches turns into a hell of a lot more when you start jumping and arms are longer. And so, while I feel confident that we have a lot of guys that play bigger than their stature, even for those shorter guys, it doesn't hurt to have guys that are cracking that six foot barrier, you know, patrolling your secondary. It, it only makes things a little bit easier. And of course, a lot of that has to do with how fluid are they? What are their instincts? Are they able to turn their head around that kind of stuff? But yeah. all things being considered equal, I think, a hundred out of a hundred people would take a six foot corner over a five ten corner. It's nothing yep. against a five ten corner. He could be great too. But if all things are considered equal, you want the taller guy, right? You yeah. just do. Um, for me, I think the biggest strength is that the fact that this group is led by an all American. That's just not something that happens at Marshall all the time. And this is. This is a unit that is led by an All-American, man. Mm -hmm. That means he's not just an emotional leader. He's not just a rah-rah guy. 
He's also backing that up with his play to where he's one of the tops in the country at his position. That causes guys to want to be better, right? It, it causes guys not to want to be the guy that can't make the play, okay? And the, all those teams have that. They have those guys like that, that that younger players look up to. You know, they show them the way. You kind of have to have that for, for a positive culture on a football team. You know, you, you your older players have to take younger guys under their wing. But – you just all we just always don't have an all American. You know, certain right. programs are always going to have it. They, they just do. And when we have the opportunity to have that, it's just so big, man. It, it that's that's one of those things that's not always going to show up on the stat sheet, you know, because it gives guys uh, notice that they say, "Hey, man, I can do that here. I can be an all American here. It's it's done. I'm sharing the field with Micah Abraham." He's an All-American. I can be an All-American here. All I've got to do is go out and perform. And I just don't think you can gloss over that, man. I think that's a huge strength of this of this unit. Well, here's that hive mind of ours again because I had Micah Abraham as uh, a strength. And everything that you said, uh, plus the killer instinct that I think that he has. I think that you don't nickname yourself the Iceman or someone else gives <laughs> you the nickname the Iceman and, uh, you know, come up uh, with a big interception and do the uh, the taunt for the, yeah. uh, the Fighting Irish <laughs> without having a killer instinct. And uh, I still think he should uh, consider pick six every now and then. He should, you know, he wears the number six, uh, have a secondary nickname. But... Uh, I, having him on this roster, him returning for a, a final year, I mean, can you imagine having to replace not only the three that we talked, but also Abraham? You know, we're having a very different discussion right now of everything's unknown, you yeah. know, and having him return to this roster, he is a known commodity, but also arguably the best performer out of four amazing performers last year. Yeah. Uh, arguably, you know, I'm not saying demonstrably, but at least arguably he was the best performer that we had in the defensive backfield. Last yeah. You, we were one decision away from replacing Gilmore, Sam, Norman, and Abraham. Yeah. And luckily he decided to come back. And that's a, yeah. that's just a massive piece. My last huge strength for this unit is the mix of instant impact transfers, compounding in-house development. All the things that we talked about, all these guys that we talked about, how they performed last year, especially those top seven, eight guys that were already here performing well. You bring in three potential instant impact players to throw in the mix with that, and I think you can really start to see why Marshall is considered very dangerous in the secondary. It's not just about defending passes. It's not just about coverage. It's about the ability to go up in the air, get the football, and then run it the other way, right? We saw that to a certain degree last year. We saw that those plays can be made on big stages for the herd. And I think we have guys that can continue to push that envelope a little bit, that can push each other in practices, push each other during the preparation of the week to where when you go out and play on Saturday, good things can happen. Really good things can happen. So it's it's, it's an overall 
a great mix of newcomers to the program as far as transfer experience transfers and just transfers in general, uh, piggybacking off of our in-house development that Coach Chevis Jackson has done over yeah. the past two years. It's been great to watch the evolution and development of this secondary. And before we go to weaknesses, uh, I think you would agree with me on here. Let's go with a, a number four, what you just mentioned there, Chevis Jackson. You can't have a guy that played at the level he did at LSU and then have league experience and all the uh, um, know-how. We talk about it all the time, you know, all the technique and being able to do that. He is a huge strength that we have at, yeah. at this position, being a coach, because you, you can see the talent that we have. You can see the performance that we have. Most of the time, that's, uh, I mean, that's no uh, um, coincidence, you know, that, that you have performers at that level when you're talking about having a coach like him. Yeah, Marshall's been really fortunate since Coach Huff came over, right? It was Dominique Bowman first, and then he was here for a year and left and went to Arkansas. And then they had the coaching shakeup in Kansas with Lance Leipold taking the job, Leipold, whatever his name is, taking the job. And, and all, unfortunately, Coach Jackson got just caught up in the crossfire. And, uh, you know, Coach Leipold wanted to bring in his own guys. Well, there he was for Marshall to then hire to replace Coach Dominic Bowman. And, man, it just – it has gotten better. I think it's gotten better right now. You can't say that it was, he came into a pretty full cupboard. Stephen Gilmore was pretty damn good corner. Mike Abraham, pretty damn good corner. And you get Andre Sam, uh, from Louisiana. So, you know, you, you had some weapons and, 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 uh, Isaiah Norman, they all came together really, really well under the leadership of coach Jackson. But yeah, you're right. That's a huge plus too, that often we don't pay, enough credit to are the guys that are leading these units. Russ, how many weaknesses do you have? And go ahead and give me that first one. Well, I think it's two, um, but you could kind of combine them into one, but I'll separate them just, just cause you have to, uh, we, uh, we have some unknown and inexperienced as Marshall players. That doesn't mean that they're inexperienced. We talk about the great strengths of bringing these three instant impact people over, but they are transfers coming from other places, and they are going to be playing as a unit uh, that is different than how they played last year. And, and we're talking about Roberts, Ibrahim, and Moten uh, as those three specific guys. They are new to the program, and that to me is – if you can come up with a weakness, that's it. That they haven't played together as a unit yet. Yeah, and that's fair. It's, it goes in line with part of what I would consider a weakness because we don't know who the starting uh, secondary is going to be when they try it out for week one. But I'm I'm a little bit leery that we may be leaning on a transfer or two a bit early in the season. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of a concern to me. Can they play great individually? Yeah, because they've done it at other at other stops or they did it in high school or whatever. But A, this ain't high school, right? And B, this ain't Wake Forest. This ain't Texas A&M. This ain't Texas. This is Marshall. And until you do it here, well, it's still a great unknown like you're talking about. So mm -hmm. I fear that there may be a little bit of reliance early uh, on these transfers until we can figure it out outside of Micah Abraham, who we know what's bringing, what he's bringing to the table. 
you've got three other positions that you really have to get to jail, you know, and, and I don't know that it's a weakness. I mean, hell, for all we know, it, it, it could be Abraham, J.D., uh, Jadarius Green McKnight, Carryon Martin, and Jacoby Henderson marching out there week one, and it's four guys that have played for Marshall for an entire season, sure, or multiple seasons, and then that weakness just shoots right out the window, and you're not right. relying on transfers at all. But I, I find it hard to believe that at least one transfer won't be on those quote unquote top four guys in the secondary. So maybe you lean on them a little bit much, but we've done it in the past, and it's worked out. Uh, but like I said earlier, until it works out you still have to be a little bit concerned. So what's your second weakness? Well, the second weakness is our defensive coordinator changed and Lance Gidry and uh, his defensive uh, scheme and system was uh, a huge part of what we have on defense that we're talking about all these celebrations of look at the performance here, look at the performance there. So it's an unknown that we have a new defensive coordinator. Huff on our show said, Hey, they both make pizza, you know? Right. So we're, we're hoping that it should be around the same, but to go hand in hand with my other that I mentioned as a weakness, it's just an unknown that we have a new defensive coordinator. And then we have three new people coming in from elsewhere. I don't really think it's that big of a weakness. Uh, it might be great that, those three are coming in and it's going to be, they don't have to say, well, this is how we did it last year because it's going to be totally new. So I can't be on board saying this is a hundred percent a weakness. It's just more of it's an unknown. So I can't call it a strength. Yeah. Uh, I think my second and maybe most worrisome weakness is, are we going to get into a situation to where we're trying to let athleticism outweigh technique right are we going to be able to get our heads around this year are we going to be able to avoid that costly uh pass interference penalty or defensive holding penalty because you didn't get a good jump because you didn't get it have a good reaction and you're you're trying to play catch up because you get lulled into this false sense of security of like well i can just out athlete whoever i'm lined up across and you come to find out really quickly like oh crap this dude has got a move or two, and it leads to an inopportune penalty, or it leads to even worse, a blown coverage, you know, long touchdown play. We saw that a little bit last year. Uh, we we less less I feel like than in years past. I feel like we ultimately did a really good job of, like I said, getting that head around and uh, playing good coverage and mostly not relying on overall athleticism to keep you in the play. But it did happen. It did happen. And uh, there were a couple of times last year in some crunch time situations that um, we got exposed a little bit. Uh, it, it looked bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, there's nothing like a blown coverage to make something look bad. Because you yeah. just think, gee, many Christmas. How does there nobody 30 yards around that guy? So it doesn't happen often. But – there's a lot of newness to this unit, like you talked about. A lot of there's there's quite a bit returning, but there's still a little bit that's going to have to go on, right? To 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 gel and become a cohesive unit. Uh, will we be able to get that head around? Will we be able to go step for step and play that good technique defense, or are we going to get a little grabby? 
you know, that's always worrisome to me. So uh, that's my that's my final weakness. Overall, I don't think you can, you know, you're not ranked by Phil top 33 in the country and number one in the SBC and not be good. So there is far more to be happy about than to be worrisome about. And there's always going to be concerns until we see it play out on the field. And we're always going to give up big plays. It doesn't matter who you have lined up back there. Things are going to happen, and you're going to give up big plays. It's always a, ma- a, a matter of can you mitigate that? Can you minimize that? And if it's going to happen, will it happen when you're up 31 to 3 <laughs> instead of being tied 28 all or something like that? Uh, let's talk about those four big questions, and then we'll circle around and try to get out of here this week. Russ, who are you most excited to see from this group in 2023? Abraham, uh, even though I've already seen him, uh, I just cannot wait to see the dot that he puts, the period that he puts on his career. Uh, I look for him to just take it to another level. I think any time that someone does challenge him, we're looking at, I mean, he picked off, Six was it last year? Six, yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking that, uh, you know, <laughs> they may uh, they may decide, hey, let's not throw to his side. But if they do, I think he's going to burn some people. And uh, I am I cannot wait to see what he does. Uh, yeah, he's the, who I'm most excited to see as well, just for very much the same reasons I was excited for Dalton Tucker. He's the only senior projected starter. And I want to see the exclamation point at the end of the of, of the career, just like I did for uh, like I do for Dalton Tucker. Uh, he's proven that he's one of the most dynamic corners in the Sun Belt Conference, and now this year it's all about raising that status. Right? You've proven that you're an All American caliber player. You've proven you're one of the tops in the Sun Belt Conference. You've proven that you're one of the tops in the country with coming down with the football and 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 going up and getting that interception. Now it's about raising, doing all that and raising that draft stock and raising those eyebrows on an NFL level because, let's face it, man, there's only a few things left on the checklist for Micah Abraham, and it's conference championship and, you know, another bowl win and being drafted, right? Because you've got, you've got All-American on the list. You've got first-team All-Sun Belt Conference on the list. You want to repeat those things. But as far as new things to check off the list, there's not much left. So I'm really excited to see if he's able to check all those boxes and walk out of here uh, from Marshall University as one of the most decorated corners we've had in a long time. Uh, who do you think is your biggest loss from the unit from a year ago? I, I'm going to cop out. I cannot I cannot pick. Uh, you know, I, I would tend to favor cornerbacks more than safeties and i'm sure a bunch of safeties would be in my dms telling me how wrong i am with that but uh, (laughs) um we had three amazing performers leave in gilmore norman and sam and it's going to be hard to replace and i think that we can replace them uh but I cannot pick between the three of those and I'll die on that hill that the three of those, especially as a unit with Abraham uh, was one of the best secondaries we've had top to bottom. Yeah. Um, And that's athleticism. That's uh, instinct and IQ that's uh, playing together as a unit. That's everything. So I'm not going to pick between the three of those as a three-way tie. Well, for me, it is not a three-way tie, even though all those guys were very impactful, and, and we just can't talk about that enough. When Again, just like I talked about earlier, all things being considered equal, you'll take the six-foot you know, uh, DB over the 5'10 guy. 
All things being considered equal, I'm going with the guy who we saw develop in-house from a true freshman all the way up through a senior, watching his entire career blossom and culminate with a really stellar season that included a pick six at Notre Dame. Right. It's Stephen Gilmore, man, because we saw him. We saw him from a true freshman out there getting worked at times to as a senior out there doing work. I love Andre Sam. I think he's a great player, but he's a one-year guy for Marshall, right? Mm -hmm. A one-year guy. And he's not done playing. So, you know, you take that into account, too. He's not done. He's going to have another season. Isaiah Norman, I thought, was one of the brightest bright spots of all of the unknowns that we had last year. He might have been the brightest of the unknowns because of the way he came in, took the job, played high at a high level, got dinged up, fought back, played even higher towards the end of the season and culminated it all with a bowl win. Uh, I absolutely love all those guys, but I'm a little selfish in the fact that an in-house developed guy is always going to hold a little bit of a special place for me. And, and Stephen Gilmore is that guy. So I miss him greatly. And I just think he's the biggest loss from a herd fan standpoint for me from this unit from a year ago, who is going to be your breakout player in 2023. There could be so many. And I, I, you know, I think that I picked Jacoby Henderson last year in this very, uh, thing based on the spring game and everything. And I thought that he might get the the starting nod or at least be uh, the nickel back uh, and play, right. uh, you know, all the time. But uh, I would love to pick him again as a dark horse, but I really have something that I'm, I just cannot wait to see um, Ibrahim, Ishmael Ibrahim. And I think that, playing the cornerback position, uh, projected starter, I think that really he might be that guy for me. I can see that, right, because he's coming in as a guy that made some plays in the green and white game and 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 got on the radar for a lot of fans. Uh, for me, my breakout player is coming from a safety position, and I think it's going to be J.J. Roberts because mm -hmm. he's done it in the ACC to a degree with Wake Forest. And you just can't get tired of hearing the local standout player, Cabell Midland High School, coming back home to do things for the herd. He's already shown he can be an impactful player in sparing action for the Deacons, and now he's going to have an opportunity to do it in Kelly Green and White. Like you said, the team he grew up watching, loving, and coming to games for, he's going to finally put on that white helmet with the green M. He's going to pull down that Kelly Green jersey over his chest, and he's going to walk out the tunnel on Saturdays at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. The juices are going to be flowing. The stands are going to be full of all of the Roberts supporters, and he's going to get to go out there and do it for the herd. I think all that just adds up to I'm it, this is my year, right? Like I'm going to have the best year of my career so far playing collegiate ball. So for me, he's the breakout player in 2023. Who do you think when it's all said and done is going to be the MVP of this unit? Abraham, I I don't have anything to add to what we've already said about him. All-American coming in, uh, the performance last year, uh, the chance to put his stamp on his career, uh, his final thing. Uh, Continuity-wise, the only returning starter. Uh, it's, his, uh, it's his position group. He's going to be the leader. 
Yeah, I don't think it's uh, without question. It's unequivocally for me going to be Micah Abraham as well. He's got every accolade that you want coming in preseason. He's shown that he can make all the plays. He's shown that he can play coverage. He's shown that he can run and play zone. He's a complete corner. He's a complete player, and that's why he keeps garnering all of this attention, why he keeps landing on all Sunbelt Conference lists, All-American lists. It's because he's earned it, and he's shown he can do it. So I expect nothing less, and I'm sure he expects nothing less, than a repeat performance while also adding a little bit to the fire this year. So for me, he's 100% the MVP when it's all said and done at the end of the 2023 season. Russ, what an excellent freaking breakdown. This secondary has got a lot to be excited about. Man, I am really pumped. This is probably the most fun I've had talking about a group since we've started these uh, this series. Um, but I've got nothing left, really. So if you've got any final words, let's have them. Otherwise, let's take it out of here. Let's take it out and let's uh, say that whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us in line at uh... – the uh, City National Bank third floor where the ticket office is, buying season tickets and getting involved in the big green. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. Come back next week. The Breakdown Series is going to continue. And we're talking about wide receivers and tight ends. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.